Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Effed Up. I'm Teresa. I'm Cody. And we are on our bi-weekly mission to tell you about all of the times in history where we, the royal we, the whole world, effed up. So what are we talking about today, Cody? We're delving back into more horrible, depressing topics, and you know, instead of the light fare of uh, the last few episodes. My favorite horrible, depressing topic. Yes, yes. So we're talking about American Indian boarding schools. Oh my god. Now, before I start, I know that the proper modern term is Native American or Indigenous American, but when saying a quote... Or the name of something. If it's Indian, I will be saying Indian. That's so okay, understood. But obviously, if there's a slur, I'm not gonna say that. Like a former football team's name, a word that starts with an S ends in a W. I'm not gonna say those things. Okay, so understood. But I refer to them as Native Americans when I am talking, but when I'm quoting or naming something and Indian is in it, I will say Indian. So, okay. No, don't want to go into the whole history of U.S. relations with. Native American tribes, as that is would be an entire podcast in and of itself, probably is somewhere. Uh, but roughly, since the early colonial days, European settlers had been engaged with the various Native American tribes, uh, engaged in conflict with the various Native American tribes that inhabit the present-day United States. Of course. I mean, you would yep. be, too, if somebody came and was like, okay, cool, so we found all this land, therefore it's ours, and you're like, yes. no, I've lived here. Yeah. Over the centuries, encroachment into tribal territory had been effectively unchecked, forcing tribes off their native lands. Uh, Numerous wars, broken treaties, and acts of violence resulted in the eradication of some tribes, the near destruction of others, and the irrevocable altering of all. After the end of the American Civil War in 1865, the federal government began forcing Native Americans onto reservations, often violently. Right. So they had this big old army. Well, it's like, well, we got to use it. So uh, these reservations were often located far away from ancestral lands and in areas with poor food or mineral resources. Of course. So they but got you... they, they force them off the choice land. Right. And w- well, we in... we want that. Yeah. We want the choice land. They can have whatever's left. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, par for the course. Unfortunately. Yep. In the 1870s, a movement to assimilate Native Americans into mainstream American culture began to pick up steam. So, the American government, or the Borg, and Native Americans are the unsuspecting Starfleet crews. Or literally anybody, because the Borg assimilates everybody, right? It's not just Starfleet people. If they can... That's a whole other thing. They don't assimilate everybody, but most people. Um. Yeah, I've I've read a little bit about this, um, about the assimilation thing. Mm-hmm. It's very very similar to what happened to black people in the early 1900s. Mm. How they were trying to whiteify them into. Well, you know, where do you think they got it from? Yeah, I mean, I I really feel like Europeans. Um, what are they called? White Anglo-Saxon Protestants wasps. Uh, wasps. Yeah. yeah, I really feel like wasps. Uh are to blame for a lot of the uh, cult stripping of cultural identity mm. in the world. Well, you're about to learn uh, one part of it. Oh, great. Yep. Uh, the proponents of this policy thought that it would be better for Native Americans to integrate into American society instead of living on the reservations. Okay. 
so like the idea was that these can still be productive individuals if they are made to be essentially culturally white white you know, americans it probably would have been better if they were just allowed to live undisturbed yes well in general yeah uh, one of the believers in this policy was an army officer and our F-Rupper for today, Richard Henry Pratt. Okay. And there's a picture of him. That's about like the 1880s, or late 1870s, early 1880s in his army uniform. He's not even 40 years old in this picture, just for context. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. He looks like he's 60. <laughs> yeah, well. He looks like a very old man. Yeah, well. Uh, Pratt... Born in December 1840 in Rushford, New York. Served in the Union Army during the Civil War. Uh, ending the war as a captain in the U.S. Volunteer Corps. Uh, he ran a hardware store for a few years after his discharge before returning to the regular Army as a lieutenant in 1867. Okay. Because so, like, during the Civil War, the vast majority of the Union soldiers were like U.S. Volunteers. Like, mm-hmm. I think only about 3% were in the actual regular Army. Oh wow! So when the war ended, all the volunteer, most of the volunteers were just discharged, right? And then, so like he was in the volunteers as a captain, and he's like, "All right, I'm gonna go in the regular army. It's like the actual army, but he's a lieutenant there. So he okay. kind of is like reduced in rank, but he's in the actual. But now he's a legit, yeah, army man. Yeah. Uh, fought in several conflicts against Native Americans uh, in the West, uh, namely in the Washita Campaign in 1868 and 69, and the Red River War in 1874 to 75. Oh, cool. So, obviously, the best person to, you know, make decisions Mm -hmm. about Native American people is somebody who both is a, uh, is an an army dude, uh, skilled in war, and also somebody who has regularly fought against Native Americans. Sounds reasonable. You're about to learn why he, uh... Gets the position he does. Oh, great. He was posted to Fort Marion in Florida, which served as a prison for Native American combatants. Oh, my God. While there, he began experimenting with teaching the prisoners white American culture, such as the English language, art, mannerisms, etc., dress. White white mannerisms. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, He also incorporated military discipline. Because, of course, uh, putting prisoners on an army routine and even having some of them serve as guards or lead exercise routines and stuff like that. So, so basically trying to turn them against one another. Kind to of. give responsibility to one person over other folks so that there can be... Uh, I mean, it's classic. It still happens in, mili- in like prisons today. Yeah. I mean, really, think about it. It's... <laughs> what colonial powers would practice on a much smaller scale because basically like like britain was famous for it like the reason we have all the jacked up borders we do today is because oh we actually want these two groups in this single colony so they'll fight each other instead of having them in separate colonies where they can turn their focus on us right yep so tale is all this time So, Pratt's education program at Fort Marion garnered the attention of government officials who were supportive of the program. Of course. Well, I mean, why wouldn't they be? Yes. Uh, John Eaton, who was the commissioner of education, because it wasn't an actual education department at this time, Mm -hmm. but there was, like, a federal, like, commissioner for it. Uh, The commissioner of education at the time, John Eaton, he said, quote, 
The Indian is born a blank, like all the rest of us. Transfer the savage-born infant to the surroundings of civilization, and he will grow to possess a civilized language and habit. Cool. End quote. Wow. Okay. This is like... It's so disappointing to say this out loud, because when did this happen? This was the late 1800s, early 1900s? 1870s. 1870s? Yeah. So late 1800s. Um, still, you'll still hear rhetoric like this for literally anybody who's not white. Yep. Still today. Yep. Oh yeah. Like oh well, why can't they just assimilate into being in polite culture, or why can't they? Uh, why why can't they change the way that they are to be more like us? So because that is the standard. It's like yeah, that's it's... garbage. Yeah, instead of seeing them as a, uh, you know, different but equal, you know, like, hey, you know, they have a different culture, but it's no better, no worse than mine. Right. It's like, no, my, mine is better. You need to be that. Yeah, the reception yeah. is, uh, leaves something to be desired. Uh, Pratt, uh, this is where he F's up. He decides to scale up his operation with the support of the federal government. So he goes from one tiny Fort Marion prison yeah. to... On November first, night or nineteen seventy-nine. November first, eighteen seventy-nine, the Carlisle Indian Industrial School opened at the vacant Carlisle Barracks in central Pennsylvania with Pratt as superintendent. And there's a picture of one of the main building. It looks like a motel with a house in the center. Yeah. Well it used to be a army barracks. So Oh. Okay. Yep. Hotel for Soldiers. Yep. Uh, the initial class at Carlisle consisted of 147 students, ranging in age from 6 to 25. Most of them were from Plains tribes, whom the federal government had recently fought against. Pratt, on taking the children from the tribal chiefs, said, quote, The children would be hostages for the good behavior of the people, end quote. What? So he's straight up saying, yeah, we're going to take these kids hostage. Wow. So okay, so they're taking the children away from their parents and families to whitewash them. Number one and number two, they're holding them hostage to ensure that their families are behaving. Yeah, it's like it's literally medieval behavior. So like when, oh yeah, like when they would take a prince or a princess. Yeah, yeah, it happens I, in Game of Thrones. Yep. So like it, it, it exactly. Wow. So. Uh, I have a longer quote from Pratt. Uh, this is when he was trying to convince Spotted Tail, the chief of the Sakongu Lakota, to turn over his children. Quote, Spotted Tail, you are a remarkable man. You are such an able man that you are the principal chief of these thousands of your people. But Spotted Tail, you cannot read or write. You claim that the government has tricked your people and placed the lines of your reservation a long way inside of where it was agreed that they should be. You signed that paper, knowing only what the interpreter told you it said. If anything happened when the paper was being made up that changed its order, if you had been educated and could read and write, you could have known about it and refused to put your name on it. Do you intend to let your children remain in the same condition of ignorance in which you have lived, which will compel them always to meet the whiter man at a greater disadvantage through an interpreter, as you have to do? As your friend spotted tale... I urge you to send your children with me to the Carlisle School, and I will do everything I can to advance them in intelligence and industry in order that they may come back and help you. 
end quote. So he's leveraging the fact that people were screwing him over because he didn't understand English. Yeah, he's saying, well, it's your fault you you didn't. Yeah, it, like. It, it's your fault you got uh, taken advantage of in this way. Well, he's not saying, because that's not how you you draw flies. You You draw them with honey. So he's basically saying, look how you've been taken advantage of. If only you could speak English, then you would never get taken advantage of again. So please send your kids yeah. to learn English so that they can help you never be taken advantage of now, again. Now, it's not the responsibility of the U.S. government to not, you know, or to be honest with you and everything. Oh, no. no, no, no. This is all this. This is all your fault. Yeah, it's it's putting the the responsibility back yeah. on the person. Yeah, like it's always been. Yep. The U.S. government has no responsibility. No, never had, never had any responsibility for anything. What it's are you talking like, about? It's like one of those things. What is that thing that they tell you? Like, if you break a, a law or you, like, are going too fast over the speed limit, like, it's not the government's responsibility. Oh, what is that phrase? Oh, there's, like, a phrase that you hear from cops a lot that's, like, it's not your responsibility. It's not my responsibility for you to know the laws or something like that Ugh, i'm not know. i'm not doing a good job about it but it's like oh ignorance is no excuse mm. for not knowing the law yeah and that's basically what he's saying here your ignorance is no excuse for you not to get taken advantage of pratt believed that racism only existed because the races were kept separate and culturally different he postulated that if all races had the same culture then racism itself would disappear which yeah, it's a weird, weird view. It's like, okay, the way we get rid of racism is it's not for people to not be dicks. It's for everybody to just have the same culture, which is just so happened going to be my culture. Right. So, so you're going to lose all of the specificity of your own culture and everybody becomes white and there then there would not be any racism. Yeah, which is incredibly inaccurate because yeah and incredibly naive in some way because it's like any person of color who had been born in and also fully assimilated british culture at that point was still discriminated against perfect example the current prime minister of the united kingdom is of indian descent like unquestionably british like listen to the man talk you know, and has lived there for, I think, most of his life. I don't know if he's born there, but lived there most of his life. I'm sure there are plenty of people in Britain who are like, he's not British. Yeah. You know, act in a racist manner towards him. Oh, of course. So, yeah. Well, racism, it, it boils down to simply because somebody looks different than you. Yeah. And you can argue as much as you want that it's because of culture or because somebody acts a different way or speaks a different language or whatever but it the number one easiest way to divide people amongst each other is to look at the color of their skin and then other them yeah which we're all guilty of in some way shape or form oh yeah um being white people cody and i were both guilty of that but yeah this is absolutely ridiculous oh we won't treat you differently as long as you act exactly yeah. the same as us no that is incorrect Pratt's view of, quote, kill the Indian, save the man, end quote, was considered progressive at the time. Wow. Many would have been content to let the Native Americans wither away on their reservations. It just... 
goes to show you that just because an idea is deemed progressive does not mean that it's not dangerous. Yeah. That you can't just slap the label progressive on something and then just throw all of your, you know, to say like, oh, well, it's progressive, so therefore it's good. No, not necessarily. No. Uh, just a few examples of some of the culture and practices at Carlisle. Uh, when a student would arrive at Carlisle, they would be expected to take an English language name. Uh, an example I have here was from a student called Luther Standing Bear. Uh, he was a student there. He picked his first name at random from a list by pointing at it. Like, none of these names have any meaning for him. Right. Like, like Luther. He doesn't know who Martin Luther was. And he doesn't speak English. Exactly. So, like, this is all nonsense. So, it just poked at something. And then they just gave his father's, like, translated name as his surname. Okay. First name Luther, last name was Standing Bear. Yeah. They're uh, just like, ah, that, that'll work. La- the last name, I th- I think that that same kind of practice persists now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, boy's hair was cut short. In most tribes, long hair was traditional. Mm-hmm. Uh, Western-style dress was enforced. Uh, again, from Luther Standing Bear, quote, The civilizing process at Carlisle began with clothes. Whites believed the Indian children could not be civilized while wearing moccasins and blankets. Their hair was cut because in some mysterious way, long hair stood in the path of our development. They were issued the clothes of white men. High-collared, stiff-bosomed shirts and suspenders fully three inches in width were uncomfortable. White leather boots caused actual suffering, end quote. And I have a couple images here. And now, the two I'm about to show you, this is stuff that, like, uh, uh, Pratt would advertise, basically, saying, oh, this is what they came in looking like, and this is why they came out. So it's like a success story. Yes. Okay. So... And then a group of them. Wow. It's like when they came in at the bottom of the series, after three years. So basically, for context, what I'm showing Teresa is a before and after picture of uh, or a couple of them. Basically, you know, like they have long hair, wearing their traditional clothing, traditional attire in the first image. And the second one, they're like, hair, hair is cut short. Um, they're wearing these almost military style like school uniforms um the unfortunate part of this they is, even look paler yeah i did notice that um that probably spending a lot less time outside than they would yes. generally yeah. um a very disappointing aspect of this is that they're using these quote unquote success stories to say like oh look at at what we've done like look based off of their appearance you can tell now that they're so much more white they're so much more culturally in line with what we want them to be but these kids are still going to be othered no matter what oh yeah even if they let's just say they fully assimilated it looks like one of their names is henry one of their names is chauncey they fully assimilated they speak english now they're they're assimilating that culture but just simply based off of the way that they look, you can tell that they're Native American and that they're going to be othered. And yeah. that white people are going to always say, oh, look, that was a Native American person and now they're white. And like they act white. But you can tell just based off of the color of their skin that they're not white. 
Oh, yeah, they're still going to be discriminated against. Like, yeah. <laughs> you think they're going to be able to walk into a polling place and vote? Right, and the, or <laughs> or they're going to still be othered, like, oh, look, hmm. this person was a savage, and now we have enlightened them. Yeah. It's still... It's still not, it's not going to work. No. It's just, it, it's ludicrous to think that that was a progressive idea at yeah. one point. Uh, students were not permitted to converse in their mother tongues and were punished if they did so. Uh, an attempt to promote quicker adoption of English by associating the Carlisle students with white students from the local schools was discontinued when the white students began picking up the native languages. Wow. Because they're like, oh, we can't have, we can't have our white children only that native those native stuff. Wow. So, uh, gender roles were heavily enforced. Of course. of course. Quote, Indian girls were to be assured that, because their grandmothers did things in a certain way, there was no reason for them to do the same. End quote. It's like well, they were, of course, they were taught, like, you know, the household tasks and such. But, like, a lot of these students came from tribes where, you know, women were much more prominent, much more powerful, had much more equitable role with sure. the men so it's like you're you, you know essentially you're having that essentially done to these girls right the, which is hilarious because the british and america and therefore americans have really strict and traditional gender roles anyways that yes. we're still trying desperately to break out of and <laughs> so i had a few examples of that this weekend yeah <laughs> um and it's it's just hilarious to me that they're like, oh, well, women clearly can't have more equitable roles in our society, so we need to knock them down so that they hold the same place as white women, mm-hmm. even yep. though they're never going to hold the same social status no. as a white woman. No. Crazy. Um, and they're never going to be able to get married to a white guy. Uh, well, some of them did. I mean, not in the same oh, no, level. Oh, no, 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 no. It's always going to be thought down on. Uh, yeah, like they, like you are almost, almost as a, not quite this, but almost a you are this man's property. Yeah, type of thing. Exactly. But, um, and then just another quote I thought I'd include uh, from a student in the 1890s. Uh, it's a long quote uh, from when they first arrived. Quote, or a little bit like more context. Um, it's when like when they were sitting down to dinner. Okay. Type of thing. So. Quote, a small bell was tapped, and each of the pupils drew a chair from under the table. Supposing this act meant they were, that they were supposed to be seated, I pulled out mine and at once slipped into it from the for, from uh, one side. But when I turned my head, I saw that I was the only one seated, and all the rest at our table remained standing. Just as I began to rise, looking shyly around to see how chairs were to be used, a second bell sounded. All were seated at last, and I had to crawl back into my chair again. I heard a man's voice at one end of the hall, and I looked around to see him. But all the others hung their heads over their plates. As I glanced at the long chain of tables, I caught the eyes of a pale-faced woman upon me. Immediately I dropped my eyes, wondering why I was so keenly watched by the strange woman. The man ceased his mutterings, and then a third bell was tapped. Everyone picked up his knife and fork and began eating. I began crying instead, for by this time I was afraid to venture anything more. End quote. It's like their lives are so regimented and regulated, they have to have a signal for when to pull a chair out from under the table, a signal when to sit down, a signal when to eat. Yeah, they're literally prisoners. Yeah. 
students were taught not only Western culture, but, quote, but, you know, quote, unquote, superior methods of things like agriculture, which these tribes probably know more about it than the white people do, especially with their own lands. Right. And considering they had been living there for thousands of years. Uh, yeah, exactly. But but no, the Western way was superior. Yeah. Yeah. The You know, the people who, who desperately needed Native Americans' help when they first landed here. Yeah. Uh, Pratt's, <laughs> yeah, Pratt's school served as a template, because and the federal government saw that this was a success. Um, and so the expand the the boarding school system expanded all across the country. By 1885, over 106 schools have been established. Wow, of varying size. Over the next several decades, these schools continued to assimilate. Native American children into Western society. In 1903, Pratt was forced to step down as superintendent at Carlisle after a dispute with the Bureau of Indian Affairs. Uh, he retired from the Army as a brigadier general the following year and died in March 1924. Carlisle Indian Industrial School was closed in September 1918 after a shift in government policy regarding Native American education. Over 10,000 Native Americans had attended Carlisle during its time of operation. Uh, the Carlisle Barracks are today the home of the U.S. Army War College. Okay. That's I didn't like, even uh, know that was a thing. That's, uh, if you th think of like uh, West Point as like your four-year undergraduate degree, mm -hmm. and the Army War College is where you go to get your grad degree. In war? I, yeah, I guess. Um, I, I, I mean, you still get a four-year degree. I'm, I'm pretty sure you still get a four-year degree at West Point, and then this is like going to grad school. So, uh, government policy regarding Native American education shifted over the following decades, culminating in the Indian Self-Determination and Education Assistance Act of 1975, which permitted tribes to run their own education systems. So, 1975. Wow. Yeah, our parents were alive. Jeez. The practice of Educating Native American children at off-reservation boarding schools was devastating in numerous ways. Many of the schools were overcrowded, which led to outbreaks of infectious diseases. Uh, quote, Gosh. in December of 1899, measles broke out at the Phoenix and Indian School, reaching epidemic proportions by January. In its wake, 325 cases of measles, 60 cases of pneumonia, and nine deaths were recorded in a 10-day period. End quote. So it's exactly like a prison. Mm -hmm. They are keeping everybody in close quarters. They're, of course, yep. you know, infectious diseases that are preventable, but not in cases where you are kept in close quarters and not able to quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, and here, since it was on an army barracks, there's the cemetery at Carlisle. Where they would bury students who died while they were there. Wow. There were some. Uh, some of them have been returned to tribes since then. Mm -hmm. uh, but they obviously weren't. Not not all of them were. Right. Uh, so, yeah. And in the midst of all this, we're we're taking their children in the 1870s, and then still breaking promises and taking away lands mm -hmm. and pushing them further into. Yeah reservations and yeah. yeah 
Uh, you're going to love this next one. Oh, boy. Given the power imbalance, sexual abuse was rife. Oh. Uh, from a former student. Another long quote. Intimidation and fear were very much present in our daily lives. For instance, we would cower from the abusive discipl- disciplinary practices of some superiors, such as the one who yanked my cousin's ear hard enough to tear it. After a nine-year-old girl was raped in her dormitory bed during the night, we girls would be so scared that we would jump into each other's bed as soon as the lights went out. The sustained terror in our hearts further tested our endurance, as it was better to suffer with a full bladder and be safe than to walk through the dark, seemingly endless hallway to the bathroom. When we were older, we girls anguished each time we entered the classroom of a certain male teacher who stalked and molested girls, end quote. Oh my god. And of course if they complain to somebody. Right. Yeah. They're not they're they're probably gonna be the one to get punished. Yep. So it's almost like they turned these kids into orphans forcibly and then treated them like dog shit and then were like, Well, this is your fault because you're brown. Mm-hmm. Wow. Many- and just completely took advantage of them in literally every way. Yep. Wow. Many students who returned to the reservation after completing their coursework were shunned or ostracized by other tribal members or found their native cultures too alien to stay there. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine not being able to go back home and... Yeah, and like you've literally been... Brainwashed. Brainwashed or like, like this has been beaten and drilled into you to live this way. Yeah. So when you go back to your tribe and start living that way, you're going to be ostracized by your fellow tribe members yeah and you're also gonna be like well this isn't how i want to live so you're caught between a rock and a hard place that you didn't even put yourself in yep the combination of forcing native americans onto reservations by taking their land and forcing native children into these boarding schools by taking their culture dealt a catastrophic blow to native american society Well, you don't have any progeniture, so you don't have you don't have culture that you can pass down to your yeah. your children and your grandchildren. Your children and grandchildren get taken away. They have what culture they do remember from the few years that they lived with you stripped away. Mm-hmm. And then when they come back, they can't reach back into, you know, they can't, they can't they don't fit in. Uh the common trauma experienced by native children in the boarding schools however did lead to a degree of pan-nativism that hadn't been achieved before mm-hmm. which would snowball over the decades into like indian rights movement uh, like aim mm-hmm. um uh so so like you have later on it's like this shared experience leads to more native american activism it's a trauma bonding uh, yeah generations of trauma bonding and maybe reaching across a a tribal line that they weren't able to or had not yet explored before mm-hmm. because of a shared traumatic experience yeah which terrible that that's what ended up happening yeah but sorry that you know at least having the ability to reach reach beyond your own culture, reach beyond what happened to you and reach out to other people and say, hey, this same thing happened to us. 
we have this shared cultural experience now. Maybe we can move together to move forward. Yeah. And nobody else, you know, has to go through what we went through type of thing. Yes. Let's protect the younger generations and make sure that this doesn't ever happen again. I mean, and it was gradual over time that this boarding, this government, this federal government run off reservation boarding school system, like it was a long time for before it was finally like phased out. I think BIA still runs some schools on reservation, but mm-hmm. and I don't know the exact structure of it. You know, if but I think the tribes have complete control, or at least most control over um, their own education systems. Okay. So. So they returned their education. Yeah, yeah like the I think I mentioned the 1975. Yeah. Act. Yeah. That. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Today, several tribes have enacted language programs to revitalize their native languages and reverse the damage done by the boarding schools. Kind of like in a similar situation we talked about um, with the Irish. Mm -hmm. Trying to reintroduce, like, the native Irish Gaelic language, you know, but a very small number of people speak it on it, like, at home on a daily basis. You know, and... You probably can't find a Native American who can't speak English at this point. Right. So, yeah. Uh, Like I said, depressing topic. Yeah. Um, Yet another instance of the United States government being absolutely horrible. So. Has anything good ever come out? No. I'm not even going to ask that question. Landing on the moon. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's about all I can think. Of. Well, heck, even that used Nazi people. So no, not even that. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say like I could poke holes uh, in that too. Yeah. Nothing good. No. Sources for this: uh, David Wallace Adams, Education for Extinction from 1995, Burn the Child, Boarding School Seasons from 2000, Ward Churchill, Kill the Indian, Save the Man from 2004. Frederick Hoxie, A Final Promise from 1984. Zitkala Sa, The School Days of an Indian Girl from 2000. And Linda Whitmer, The Indian Industrial School from 1993. Uh, something I think I forgot to do the last time, or the last couple of times. Shout out. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so the podcast I'm going to recommend for this week, uh, and, and it's not, when I make these recommendations, they're not related to the topic we just talked about. I'm not that far-sighted, <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I kind of just I literally just kind of pull up my phone, go through my list of podcasts, and just kind of pick one at random. So uh, the one for this week uh, to go listen to is "Wonders of the World." Uh, its title kind of says it all. The host she uh, takes a look at a different wonder from around the world and makes a recommendation about you know local food and such, usually with a guest. Uh, so. One of the world, go check it out. Pretty good. Nice. So exciting. Uh, what are we going to talk about next time, Cody? Is it another? Is it another depressing? Oh yes, uh, yes. One with a massive death toll. Um, oh. oh, I think this is our first foray into Chinese history. Yes, and our first woman. A woman yes. rapper. Yeah, finally, finally, your gender gets represented <laughs> on this show. Only thirty-four episodes in. Yes, well, thirty-five. <laughs> thirty-five yeah, episodes. Thirty-five. In. Yeah. So, 35th you know. episode. Yeah, I, I, I've, I kind of thought about it. It's like, I kind of think about two ways. It's like, 
man, we haven't had any women. I feel kind of kind of misogynist a little bit. But then I look at it the other way. It's like, well, women I haven't historically always been people in positions of power, and also just in general, they just f up less. And they haven't really been fairly represented in history in general. So So. I think that's another reason why we're going to have a disproportionate number of episodes about men. Sort of like popes. (laughs) Yeah. Every episode's... Well, there's one episode about a woman, but most episode's about men. Popes, uh, presidents, any sort of diplomat, it's going to be disproportionately men. Yeah. I mean, my other podcast, literally about founding fathers and every episode's gonna be about a dude so yeah. <laughs> maybe we'll we'll sneak some bonus episodes in yeah there. yeah there'll probably be one or two but yeah but uh but yeah next week uh if you haven't figured out you know the fact we said it's a woman and it's chinese history if you know anything about chinese history there's uh definitely one at least one prominent woman in there <laughs> empress dowager shishi Please be sure to check out our other projects, The Drunken Pawn, where we play board games and drink on YouTube, uh, Attack of the Final Girls, my sister podcast project with my lovely pod wife, Juliet, where we talk about horror movies. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WeFedUp, no spaces. Be sure to rate and review us wherever you listen. Until next time, I'm Teresa. I'm Cody. And this is WeFedUp. We